0: Praise God. Hallelujah. Hello everyone everywhere. This is Pastor Robert Thibodeau. Welcome to Freedom Through Faith for this glorious day. Hallelujah. We are so glad you're listening. We are committed to preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ all around this world through the power of the internet. Praise God. We empower other broadcasters, 40 broadcasters now on our radio station that preach the gospel 24 hours a day into all the earth, into over 160 different nations. Listeners who are receiving the word of God on their iPads, on their iPhones, on their computers, Oh, thank you, Jesus, for all that you are doing with this ministry. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you this day praising you for the victory you are working in our lives. Father, our prayer is that this broadcast will go forth into all the earth, touching people's hearts and changing their lives. Father, we thank you that the Holy Spirit is working, not just in this broadcast, but also, Lord, in all of our broadcasters' teachings on this radio station. For this broadcast, we ask that the Holy Spirit lead, guide, and direct as you will, Father, so that your will is accomplished on this earth, just as it is in heaven. Father, we give this broadcast to you. We give all the honor, glory, and praise to you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Join me in our profession of faith as we lay the solid foundation upon which this teaching today is going to be built. And we do that by reciting what is commonly referred to as the Apostles' Creed. But I want you to just ponder the words, say them out loud so that your own ears can pick them up and they go down into your heart where they'll take root, grow and prosper and bring forth fruit worthy for the Lord. Amen. Just repeat these words after me. I believe... He ascended into heaven and sits now at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, from where he shall come soon to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe the church is the body of Christ. I believe in the communion of saints. I believe in the forgiveness of sin. I believe in the resurrection of the body and i believe in life everlasting in jesus name amen and amen praise god if you have your bibles turn with me to the chapter of first kings chapter 17 now the past couple weeks we've been talking about the story of elijah and we talked a little in depth about where he was hiding. You know, I call it God's witness protection program when he tells you to go hide, amen. And he was ne- Elijah was next to the brook Corinth. And we studied how God had supernaturally provided food for Elijah every morning and every evening by having the ravens gather bread and meat and airdrop it to him. And how there was a supply in the natural by having him next to the brook of fresh water. And how he must have been a secluded, safe place because nobody ever found him while he was there, even though they were looking for him. We studied how that there is a place called there, and that's where there God wanted him to be. We discussed how each of us has a there place we're supposed to be in. And if we choose not to go there, the place which God wants us to go, our provision is going to be there, not where we are now. And sometimes it really takes a rude awakening for God to get our attention. Sometimes we can be so stubborn that we decide we know what's best for us and don't rely on God to lead us and to guide us and to provide for us and to protect us, to basically be our God and trust in him. We decide we know better than God. That makes us to be our own God. Brother Bob, what do you mean by that? Well, just think about this for a second. If God told you, do this, and you didn't want to do what he told you, you are telling God, I know better than you do, God, about what's best for me. In effect, telling God, I don't need you. I can take care of myself. Now, Brother Bob, I would I'd never say anything like that. Is that right? How many of you listening to, me, listening to me today have tithed consistently? 10% off the top, before you pay any bills or buy any groceries. Need I say more? I know I haven't done it consistently either, so you know, I am not condemning you at all. I mean... Even after I was saved, I haven't done it consistently. It's been 20 years. And I'm just being brutally honest here. And you need to be brutally honest yourself. You see, God is quick and just to forgive. And praise God, his mercy does endure forever. Amen. So you can still get right with God. And you do that. By beginning to do what he says to do. Amen. But like I said, sometimes we just keep going along, thinking everything's going to work itself out, and it doesn't. And at times like that, we need to just stop and think about everything and ask God to show us what the common denominator is and everything going wrong in our life. Because he will show it to you. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm reminded of a story I heard. I can't remember where I heard this. But it's a, about a man who was walking across the street and when he was hit by a car. The impact knocked him in the head and caused him to be in a coma for a couple of days. And when he finally regained consciousness, he opened his eyes, and his loving wife was right there beside his bed holding his hand. And he said, you know, honey, You've always been right there, right by my side. When I was a struggling college student, and I failed again and again and again, but you were always there with me, encouraging me to keep on trying. And when I got out of school and went for all of my job interviews and failed to get any of the jobs, you were right there with me, cutting out more classified ads for me to go check on. Then when I started this little firm and finally got the chance to handle a big contract, and I blew it because of one mistake, yet you were right there beside me all the way. And then I finally got another job after being laid off for some time, but I never seemed to be promoted. My hard work was never recognized, and through it all, you were right there by my side. And her tears, her eyes were starting to fill with tears, and she continued to listen. And he said, And now I've been in this accident. And when I wake up, you're the first person I see. And there's something I'd really like to say to you, honey. I think you're bad luck. <laughs> <laughs> Praise God. I wonder if there are times when we treat God that way, though. Every time something bad happens, God is right there with us, getting us through the rough spots, holding us up, giving us strength. But instead of appreciating it, we turn around and start to blame God when bad things happen. I wonder if that's how Elijah felt as he was going through his boot camp training and now prepared for advanced training. You see, we left off with Elijah by a dried-up creek bed called Carith. Elijah had learned a lot about God and a lot about himself as he obeyed God. And he went to that deserted place and allowed God to miraculously provide for his needs. He was at his place called there. Do you remember when God told him to go over there, let's go back and read it just for a second. He said in First Kings chapter 17, verse 3, Go there and go from here and turn eastward. Hide yourself by the brook Carith, which is before the Jordan. It shall be that you shall drink from the brook. I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. That was his place called there. That's where his provision was going to be. Amen. So there he is. Every morning, every evening, he's looking up, waiting for the birds to come. And here they come, and they bring him meat and bread. He's drinking from the brook Kareth. There is a vast famine going on throughout the land. People are struggling, people are dying. The king has people out looking for Elijah because he realized that Elijah, who spoke for the Lord Jehovah Yahweh and brought this curse on the land, and Elijah had told the king, It will not rain until I say so. And it took a few weeks of no rain and the crops starting to get dry. When the king realized, hey, I need to go find this guy. I'll torture him into saying, let it rain. No matter where they looked, they couldn't find Elijah. And he was right there in their midst by the brook Corinth. And Elijah was learning That was his basic training. That was his boot camp. And now he's prepared for his advanced training. Amen. And as we'll see, the dried up brook was just the beginning. You see, God had plans for Elijah that would take him far beyond those quiet days of isolation and meditation. Where the life beside the brook with the birds faithfully catering his meals. It was simple and uninterrupted and became a routine. Anyone who would be used by God as mightily as Elijah would be in the years ahead, they have to go through advanced training courses. And for Elijah, that advanced training would take place at a place called Zarapath. All right, now, 1 Kings chapter 17, let's go to verse 8 and 9. Then the word of the Lord came to him, Go at once to Zarephath of Sidon and stay there. Now, remember, the brook's dried up. Elijah says, This is my place called there. God told me to come here, and his provision has been faithful. Now this brook is dried up. I'm not moving until I hear from God about where to go. See, he had learned. Now, in verse 9, God says, go to Zarephath of Sidon and stay there. I have commanded a widow in that place to supply you with food. And as we did last week, let's first examine the significance of the name of this place where Elijah was told to go. Zarephath comes from a Hebrew verb that means to melt or to smelt. Interestingly, in noun form, it means crucible or testing place through an ordeal, if you want to call it that. In the military, the crucible is the, it's not the final test, but it's like the culminating event that puts... Everything soldiers and marines have learned through their basic training is combined into one major event that tests their grit, tests their mettle, tests their endurance, tests their skills, tests their knowledge, and by the end of the crucible, they understand, wow, I have done this. I can do this. Where just a short eight weeks prior to that, when I was a drill instructor and in formation, you get a right face and march off to the mess hall because the squad leaders were always on the right end. I would give them left face, left face, left face to get them pointed in the right direction. And I'd shout out, You people can't do anything right. You know, as a play on words instead of right face. But by the end of that eight weeks, they were doing almost everything right. That's why they could make it through the crucible. But they still had to go through it. It was the place of their testing. Now, the place may have gotten its name, Zarapath because there was a smelting plant of some kind located there. But whatever the source of its name, Zarephath would have to be a crucible for Elijah. It would refine him and prepare him for future ministry. It was almost as if the Lord was saying to Elijah, I first took you to Carith to wean you away from the bright lights in the public platform. Because he had access to the king, and he was pronouncing these things to the king, which came to pass, and now everybody was looking for him. He said, Zarephath, or I'm sorry, Carith, is a place where I could cut you down to size and just reduce you to a man who would have to trust me completely to take care of him. But now I'm going to turn the furnace up a little bit and melt you and mold you. And exactly the kind of man I need to carry out my mission. Notice not Elijah's mission, God's mission. Again, there's a lesson there if you'll receive it, amen? If you have ears to hear, hear what the Spirit's saying right now, amen. The crucibles of our suffering and the challenges we face create a Christ-likeness in our life. That's what a crucible does under intense heat, intense pressure. It brings all the impurities to surface so they can be skimmed off, leaving greater purity. That's why in the military, some of the most challenging obstacle courses or the most challenging job positions require some intense training Before you can even enter advanced training, such as the Rangers or the SEALs or Delta Force or whatever, you must first go through an intense selection program, often called a crucible. It's designed to see if you have what it takes. They're trying to weed out the impurities from attending the advanced training so they don't waste their time and money training somebody who doesn't have what it takes. Amen? God knows what the future holds for his prophet. God knows the kind of strength that Elijah will need if he's going to stand strong. God knows what kind of load his prophet must be able to bear. God knows what you need in order to stand up and do what he's called you to do. And we see God sends Elijah to the crucible of Zarephath where all of the remaining dross will be burned away. So the brook dries up. God tells Elijah, go to Zarephath. That's your place called there. Now, I'm sure Elijah was happy to get the order that it was okay for him to leave. I'm not sure he was happy about where he was being sent. For one thing, Zarephath of Sidon was located far to the west, on the coast of the Mediterranean Sea, about 100 miles from the brook Carith. So that involved a long walk across open and unprotected land. Now remember, Elijah was a marked man. King Ahab was looking for him everywhere. Plus, Zarephath of Sidon was Jezebel's hometown. Her father was still king there. God was sending Elijah right into Jezebel's own backyard, so to speak. And I'm sure she still had close ties to some of the people there who would send her word if they knew Elijah was in town. God was sending Elijah on a mission that would require him, Elijah, to totally trust God for his protection on the way there and while he was there. Amen. So immediately, Elijah had to put his trust in God as he journeyed from Corinth to Zarephath. Where would... Elijah's stay when he got to Zarephath. God said he had already made arrangements for Elijah to stay at the home of a widow woman. Now I can imagine Elijah thinking if, if, he was, if this was the day and time in which Elijah lived, today's day and time, most preachers would be like, a widow woman? Really? Why can't I stay in the palace of a king or a wealthy businessman? Why can't I stay with a successful farmer or a shepherd? I mean, all of this was part of Elijah's training. He had to trust and obey and be content where, with, where God was putting him. And as we've seen last time, we just threw some of the thoughts Elijah might have had as he is walking those several days, three, four days, to get to Zarephath. A widow woman, a widow woman. God sending me to a widow woman, who's going to take care of my ministry needs. Oh, oh, oh! I see it now. God, praise God! A widow woman. She must be loaded. She, she's got to be wealthy. God sending me to a widow woman, who's gonna that have a bunch of money she just inherited, probably from her dead husband, and now God's going to use her to grow my ministry? Oh, hallelujah, glory to God. And he picked up his step a little bit more. That'd be a minister today who God's trying to get off that concept of you need money to do ministry. That's what is wrong with most preachers today. They focus on the money and not the ministry. They think, if I can get this much money, I can grow my ministry. Focus on the ministry, the growth will take care of itself, and the growth will provide the money you need. I need to go on TV. If I can go on TV, then I'll be able to get all this money coming in because you see all these TV preachers with all this money. if God told you to go on television the money would be there before you go amen don't shout me down when I'm preaching good start where you're at pray fast and pray if you have to let God show you, is this your place called there? Are you doing what God told you to do? You may have deep roots in the community you're, you're located in. You may have been preaching in that church for 25 years. You're still at you know, 20 people, but those 20 people have been faithful. They come every Sunday and Wednesday night, praise God. They, they grew old with you. They're elderly now. Are there kids and their grandkids and all them attending your church? No. You may have had hundreds of people in your church 20, 25 years ago. Now you're down to 20. That could be a sign that you failed to obey God When he was trying to send you to another place. And even right now, if you pray and you realize, you know, 10 years ago, God told me to pack up and move to Arizona. But I didn't want to take the kids out of school. I had the church here. I didn't want to go through another rebuilding program. In other words, you told God, I know better than you. I'm not moving all the way across the country. I'm not taking my kids out of school. You don't. You don't know how much trouble it is to to do all this. God, I mean, you're sitting up there in heaven and you just command people. Well, why don't you go here? I want you to go over here. Go over there. God, there's you know a lot of steps in the process of picking up from here and moving to a place called there. You just don't know what it takes, God. I mean, I have to wonder about all my friends and my family that's staying here. You know, I don't want to leave them. And you, When you think like that, you're basically telling God he doesn't know what he's talking about. You don't know, God. You just don't know I know better!
1: until next time when we gather together around the word of god be blessed and remember we serve an awesome god tax day is coming oh no but if you sign up for Robinhood gold's ira with a three percent match you can get up to 195 dollars for the 2023 tax year oh yeah sign up at robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market subscription fees apply